On today's edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, I'll be bringing in the host of Locked On Blackhawks, Jack Bushman, to discuss the Chicago Blackhawks' surprising 3-2-0 start to the season, how their power play is going, even with Patrick Kane not getting on the scoreboard. We're going to be discussing some of the goalie injuries for the Chicago Blackhawks, and we're going to discuss with him more of the direction the Florida Panthers are in under this new coaching staff, and of course, Matthew Kachuk in the mix. We're going to discuss that more here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Blackhawks and Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Just a reminder that you can get both shows on YouTube or Odyssey, whatever podcast app, wherever you get your podcast, it's 100% for free. Make sure to go and check out the shows and subscribe to show some support. I'm the host of Lockdown Blackhawks, Jack Bushman, joined by the host of Florida Lockdown Florida Panthers, Armando Velez. With the Florida Panthers in town for a matchup with the Blackhawks tomorrow night, or I guess tonight for when you all will be listening to this, thought it would be a good idea to get together with my good guy Armando, who also is going to be in Chicago here in a couple of weeks, which I'm pretty stoked for. We're actually going to the Chicago Bears-Miami Dolphins football game at Soldier Field, which is something we've had in the works for the past couple of months now. So uh, I'm definitely excited for that, Armando. Excited for this game at the United Center tonight. How you doing, buddy? How you feeling? Th- thank you so much once again, man, for doing this uh, crossover uh, with me. What started as uh, just doing crossovers based on our both of our teams that we cover facing off eight times just two seasons ago. To think that that was two seasons ago. And now here we are uh, facing off again, doing another crossover, meeting in person in just about two weeks as well. And just, uh, of course, the these these franchises have been connected based on their kind of their trajectories as well. And also in scandals as well, based on the last few years. So it, it's just been it's just really for us. It just feels like that when these two teams uh, face, it's uh, always a, a good time to uh, get get together and, and chat. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And yeah, it is kind of weird to think. It's already been two years since uh, the Blackhawks and the Panthers were wildly in the same division for a season, which, you know, uh, obviously that was due to COVID-19 and all that. But it, it's kind of wild to think the Blackhawks at one point were in the same division as the Florida Panthers. But here they are meeting for the first time as part of this 2022-2023 regular season. Armando, Panthers are off to a pretty good start here, 4-1-1 one, and one through their first six games. Before we kind of talk about how this Panthers team has fared so far this year, I wanted to ask you your thoughts all in all on the offseason. Obviously, the big move was getting Matthew Kachuk from the Calgary Flames. Jonathan Huberdeau, though, that's what it cost them in order to get that. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on that move in particular and kind of what it means to this Florida Panthers franchise. And also talk to me about some of the other moves that Florida made in this offseason as they try to gear up for another run in the Stanley Cup playoffs and hopefully make it a little bit further this season. Did you like what the Panthers did in the offseason? What, what was your kind of thoughts on it as a whole along with that move of getting Kachuk for Huberto? 
the fan in me was devastated to see those two homegrown players shipped out. But when you have a a generational talent in Matthew Kachuk at 24 years old, who you're going to sign to a contract and also with Huberto's and Uyghur's contract coming up as well. And them being signed long-term and those being older guys, it, it made all the sense in the world to make a, a trade like that, because even I thought that I thought even prior to the trade that the Panthers were going to try to find a way to, to sign Jonathan Huberto. I, I did not think that there was no way in hell that they were going to sign Mackenzie Weger, especially with the, the cap hit that they got, because it would have exceeded the the possible projection of the cap uh, from what what looks like to be as of right now, 83.5. But Gary Bettman's did say that it could be even four million more. So even even with that, even with that four million bump, that's still the Panthers being tied up against the cap, and that would make them their window from into like one to two years, and it would be more of a sense of urgency. And they already shifted out a lot of draft picks already, and those coming up upcoming trade deadlines would probably be more of being super aggressive because you don't know how these guys are going to look towards the tail end of their deals as well. So giving up a first. Uh, Mackenzie Weger, Jonathan Huberto, and Cole Schwint, along with it, who had an incredible season in the AHL. And and knowing that out of that, you're going to get eight more years of Matthew Kachuk getting 104 points at 24 years old and leads the Panthers right now in points. He leads in shots. He leads in penalty minutes. Every single time, every single time there's a whistle, uh, every, everyone wants a, a little piece of Matthew Kachuk and just – just he's been just everything that's been advertised, and, and even with the adversity that the, that the Florida Panthers have faced early with losing Aaron Ekblad, now he's on LTIR. He the earliest he'll come back is no, um, November. So there's there's been a little adversity for this team, and just th- for for the the Panthers, it's just really been one game at a time, and also with the experience of Paul Maurice. He, he he's just been he, it, it's just a system that the players have bought in there's less odd man rushes for the for for the team and they're not leading their goalies out to dry and there have been also some great acquisitions Colin White has been a great ap- acquisition playing on that line with Anton uh, Lindell and Etulus Duran and let Etulus who was a fourth liner for the last two years now got bumped up to the top nine on the left wing that 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 line defensively hasn't given up a goal against at all and they've been one of the best the second and third line have been the best line so far in in this young florida panthers season so do you i wanted to ask you also about paul maurice who you just mentioned a moment ago obviously there was i don't know if i want to say a controversy i don't know if that would be the right word but uh, obviously andrew burnett took over after joel quenville's departure early on last season the panthers went on to have a heck of a regular season in the playoffs, though, they came up short and uh, ultimately decided not to bring Andrew Burnett back. They hired Paul Maurice. What are your thoughts on Maurice through the first six games, and how, how do you think the Panthers have fared under his lead in comparison to Andrew Burnett's? I know it's a very small sample size here for Maurice, but what kind of things have you noticed that may be different for better or worse than Andrew Burnett's style from behind the bench? And – and with that change, at first, when when the offseason first began, I was in favor of giving Andrew Burnett an- another chance to give him a full season, even though when he did take over, it was only seven games into last season. But giving a full season, and and I would have been very okay with it. But I was also okay with uh, the hiring of Paul Maurice, a guy who has a lot of experience, 
I don't subscribe to the whole most regular season losses in NHL history because how do you get there? You coach a lot of games and you gain a lot of trust based on the franchises that he's coached. Winnipeg and Carolina slash Hartford has has been able to trust this guy for for a long time. The playoff success hasn't been there for for Paul Maurice, but the lo- big big enough sample size that he he's very relatable to players and he and just hearing him speak to the media he's a very easy person to listen to it's like he's a guy who personally when i ask him questions and everyone else asks him questions he's a guy that you want to listen to so i can only imagine i could only imagine what the players who are who know him more personally who take him to the side and actually wants to get to know them and vice versa it, it's it's kind of i can only imagine what that kind of uh relationship and that talk is like between coach and player as well as far as the on the ice stuff the the panthers uh clog clog up the neutral zone pretty well with the system uh, that Paul Maurice uh, applies. And this is, and this is with a team that on paper is less talented from last season as well. And, and it, and it's all working out and all, and to think that at this time last week when Montour missed a a few games and Aaron Ekblad went down against Boston last Monday, they were playing with four defensemen. Uh, uh, on uh, in on the road as well and they almost completed a comeback to at least get a, a point for for the Panthers and that's really their their big dud of the season so everything else has just been has just been working out they've been getting these close wins it's not the it's not this Panthers team is not the blow blow teams out of the water type of Panthers team this is a Panthers team that's going to be in close games during during th- the third period is it stressful at times absolutely but if you they're trying a way to find ways to win and even losing some close games like they did against Tampa, those are still a little bit of learning lessons for 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 the Panthers in order to how to get better once April, May, and June do come around. Armando, my final question before I turn things over to you and let you ask me some things about the Chicago Blackhawks. You just referenced <clears throat> how under Paul Maurice it's kind of a a different style or, or they're they're in different games close games and they're not the team that's going to, you know, score six or seven goals and blow you out like that. Do you think that was an emphasis, maybe considering how you need to play come April, May, June? Was that, it just seems like that was just such a focus for the Panthers was, you know, the game is going to be a little bit different when it reaches the playoffs. You're not going to be able to have those games where you score six or seven as frequently. And it felt like that was kind of the backbone of last year's Florida Panthers team was they could score with anybody. They can outscore anybody. Do you think that was a really big focal point of trying to retool this team a little bit this year to, to make them more like that style? Yeah, and that's what comes with that's what comes with run, when you're a running gun type of team that the Panthers were last last season. I think they kind of looked into what happened to Tampa Bay in 2019 against Columbus and saw how they made those adjustments. Uh, and and look what happened to them. They 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 made three straight uh, Stanley Cup Finals, uh, winning two of them at least at, at least. So that that's really I, I feel like that Bill Zito does kind of, of course these these GMs are competitive as well Bill Zito keeps tabs on his uh division rivals a little north of the coast so definitely saw kind of what they did as well also also doing it with two different GMs as well with uh Iserman and now Breezewall as as well so that that's kind of like what what Bill Zito saw is like okay what what does it take to actually win in the postseason so it's great to score goals. Lots of goals are sexy, of course. People love people love when you score, 
be, it, it isn't always the attractive type of game when it's so low scoring and then you're just on the edge of your seat trying to see who gets the a goal within the last five minutes of the game to make to make the difference in 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 the in the in the hockey game but just uh just as far as a sustainable product of what is going to be past just the month of october that we're in that is that is one step closer to the formula that the panthers want to be in it's only six games in, only 76 uh only 76 games left to figure out because their top line hasn't contributed yet. And neither has the power play really for the Panthers. I believe they're two of 27 right now. So it's uh, so the Panthers are doing it without the top line and the power play contributing. Well, Armando, thank you so much for that insight on the Florida Panthers ahead of tonight's matchup with the Chicago Blackhawks. Interesting. You referenced how the Panthers are focusing on playoff success. The Chicago Blackhawks, while they're not in a current position to do that, interestingly enough, new head coach Luke Richardson throughout training camp in the preseason, a lot of the video sessions he was running with the team, he was having them watch the Stanley Cup final between the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning to show them how you need to play in the most important times of the season to have success. I know the Blackhawks aren't close to being at that stage, but instilling that type of form, I think it's very telling of, you know, <clears throat> what it do, what teams are trying to do. Obviously, it's a copycat league, and you try to take from the best. So I, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, the Panthers, a team that are in contention or expected to be at least, are, you know, doing the same thing that the Chicago Blackhawks are in a very different situation. Uh, but once again, Armando, thank you for all that insight. Coming up in just a moment, folks, stay tuned. Armando, I'm going to turn it over to him to ask me some questions on the Chicago Blackhawks and their surprising 3-2 and two start to the regular season. But first, real quick, I need to talk to you all about Athletic Greens and their new AG1 product. Because with just one scoop of AG1, you'll be absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and probiotics, plus more to help you start off your day. The special blend of ingredients helps support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging. It's really an incredible product. And Athletic Greens was first created when the founder themselves experienced a ton of gut issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine in order to recover. That used to cost them over $100 per day, but now Athletic Greens has created the optimal and affordable nutrition routine that will cost you less than $3 per day, which is such an easy and cheap way to invest in both your health and body. Now, I'm not kidding, folks. I really do try and get my one scoop of AG1 every morning, whether it's before I'm doing the show or if I'm going out and golfing with some of my friends, I'm pretty competitive. I like to have that edge. Give me any advantage that you can give me, and I really do feel the difference in the morning when I take my scoop, my one scoop of AG1. And to make it easy for all you listening out there, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is go and visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network right now. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Back on the show for segment two, Jack Bushman here, host of Lockdown Blackhawks, joined by Armando Velez, host of Lockdown Florida Panthers. Turning it over to Armando now to ask me about some questions regarding the Chicago Blackhawks and kind of the surprising three and two start that they're off to. So Armando, floor is yours, my man. Yeah, man. So it's, I don't, 
I don't have to ask you what the the Blackhawks' mission is when it comes to their approach this season. Of course, the mission is rebuilding. New coach in Luke Richardson. Uh, of course, Kyle Davidson now is the 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 guy running the show for for the Chicago Blackhawks. But three two and zero for for the Chicago Blackhawks. Off to a off to a great start for for this Chicago Blackhawks team. The only game that I've been able to watch uh, on on TV was their opening night game against the. Colorado Avalanche. I remember texting you uh, prior to the game, saying "sending prayers out your way" prior to this game and this season, and just uh, just the, for for seeing, of course, Colorado coming out on fire and thinking, okay, it could be a long season for the Chicago Blackhawks as expected, and then uh, and then Chicago dropping a one nothing game against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Logan Thompson looks to be a guy that could be in the running for the Calder trophy for Vegas after their a lot of their goalie issues over, over the offseason. But what's the pulse of the fan base? Because this team is of course this franchise and this fan base most importantly, mostly the fan base I want to talk about. What is their reaction to the three and two start? Are they like freaking out based on saying, oh my God, the Blackhawks are winning too much too many games. They're not tanking for but they're not going to tank for Bedard properly. Or is it a matter of this is a team that's trying to create good habits or, and you don't apologize for wins. What's the, what's the pulse of the fan base there? Yeah, I think you're seeing a little bit of everything. There are people out there who are saying they're upset that the Blackhawks are winning or just wait until they play some more teams. The losses are coming. There are some people who say this, you know, the, the rebuild speeding up. The one thing I would say to that is, you know, just understand we're only five games in there's a long way to go. Look, it's been an awesome start. And the way I view it, I'm never going to apologize for winning or feel bad about winning, especially when you compare everything that the Blackhawks went through last year. Like it was just a dark and gloomy season. There was no fun about it on the ice. The team was terrible off the ice. They were even worse. It was just miserable. So to see these guys go out there and have fun and, kind of almost play freely with nothing to lose. Like it's a little bit of a dangerous team when you're expected to be bad. You can only really surprise people. And that's kind of what the Blackhawks have done in the last few games. But I would just remind people, this is going to be a a very long season and there's probably going to be some peaks like we're going through right now. And there's also going to be some valleys. I mean, given what this Blackhawks team has, you know, sure, they're, they're going to have the ability, I personally think, to compete a little bit more than some people expect. Uh, I Actually, when we did our like lockdown NHL predictions in terms of over-under point totals, I said the Blackhawks were going over 65.5, and, and I didn't think they were going to be the worst team in the NHL. I just don't see this being the worst team, but I think they're undoubtedly going to be bad. There's going to be valleys at some point. I just hope the fans... Don't get too high in those moments. Don't get too low in the valleys. Just understand what we're still doing here. It's the first year of a rebuild, a very patient, long played rebuild where we're thinking three, four, five years down the road. Kind of what we do right now, it is what it is. So that's how I'm kind of trying to stay even keeled, given that the Blackhawks are having a uh, a successful start to this year when a lot of people want them to be tanking for Connor Bedard. Look, they're probably going to get plenty of opportunities to do that, especially if they're trading Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves, maybe Andreas Athanasiu and Max Domi as well. Like this team in the second half, they have the potential to be really terrible. The losses are going to come. So have some fun when the wins are here. Enjoy them a little bit. And it's been fun so far. I I give a lot of credit to Luke Richardson and, and what he's been able to 
and still and still here in the early going. Uh, a lot of positives from this Blackhawks team. Not even just just the wins; those have kind of been added bonuses. But yeah, I would just say there's people feeling all over the place on this topic, Armando. But uh, I, I just want people to know that there are going to be brutal stretches coming. So just kind of stay, stay mellow and ride the wave, if you will. And right now things are good. So smile. Yeah. So you, you don't apologize uh, for when for winning. That's for sure. And then of course, uh, Kyle Davidson being a, as active a, as he ha- has been really in the trade deadline last year, of course, uh, we, we spoke about, we spoke about off camera one time about the Brandon Hagel trade about getting two first round picks and Brandon Hagel's not off to the best start with Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay as a team in general, even though they're on a two game winning streak, not off to the best start. So there's a little bit of eyes, of course, looking at Tampa Bay's record for uh, Chicago. That's for sure. Getting a higher draft pick, but I, I, the, the drafts for Chicago going from zero first round picks all the way to three trading with Ottawa, trading with the Islanders, trading with Toronto to to take on the contract of Peter Mrazek, which I just saw that Peter Mrazek is on IR, so he won't be playing for the Chicago Blackhawks uh, tomorrow. But but the, the the activity that Kyle Davidson has been doing, and of course, uh, there's also I, I see two ones, two twos, uh, and there and another trade with the Lightning based on the Tyler Johnson trade, and of course shipping out Brent Seabrook in that one. It's so much capital at their disposal, and there I just think about so much as the draft is just even if you don't hit on one first round pick, you're you have so many opportunities at, at the dartboard to hit the bullseye, and just you you even if it's not the top pick like a Connor Bedard, you you never know you never know what kind of franchise changing player you just have when you just get get one dart and you hit the bullseye. Yeah, it's. Kind of cool right now because we're in the middle of the be- uh, what I believe to be the beginning of a change in the tides of the Blackhawks prospect pool. And we saw it already in the 2022 NHL draft. You mentioned we started the day with zero first round picks. Kyle Davidson makes a ton of moves to wind up with three. The Blackhawks ended up drafting 11 players total in the 2022 NHL draft. And what we saw at development camps over the summer, we are also involved in the Tom Curvers prospect showcase with the Minnesota Wild. So we got a pretty good look at uh, a lot of those guys that Kyle Davidson selected in his first draft class. And a lot of those guys look pretty good. And you referenced Tampa Bay in particular has been very generous to us, the Brandon Hagel trade and giving us Tyler Johnson, a second round pick basically for free, just because they needed cap relief. Uh, Kyle Davidson has done a very good job of taking advantage of his situation. And I really don't have any complaints about any of the trades he's made other than not getting enough for Alex to bring it. I understand the trade in itself. We just didn't execute enough and get enough from the senators in return, but he's done a really good job. Like we already have two first round picks in 2023, two in 2024. Patrick Kane might be available. Same with Taves. There's a lot of other guys. I referenced Domi and Athens CU, maybe a veteran defenseman like Connor Murphy. Uh, There's opportunities for the Blackhawks to go and add even more. And I think they're, at the end of the day, come next summer, I think they're going to have three or four picks in the first round of the 2023 NHL draft, which is supposed to be one of the best first rounds that we've seen in quite some time. So I'm I'm really excited about where this Blackhawks prospect pool is going in these next couple of seasons. We've already seen, you know, while it is only a summer camp and development camp and all that stuff, 
it, it really feels like this first class that Kyle Davidson drafted, it feels like a couple of those guys really have the potential to make an impact at the NHL level. And if he continues to do well and draft successfully these next few years, take advantage of the Blackhawks cap situation, get as many draft assets, as much draft capital as possible. I really think in a few years down the road, the Blackhawks are going to be in a really good position with the talent that that's coming up through the organization. So I'm really happy with Kyle Davidson thus far in his first year as general manager. I'm happy with Luke Richardson. I love that there's a plan set in place. Uh, It's crazy. I'm not, I don't want to say I'm super mega confident that he's doing the right move, but this, this all feels like everything that he's done, he's pushing the right buttons and it has me excited for what's in store uh, in just a few years for this Blackhawks franchise. Once again, Armando. It, it feels like kind of turning that back the clock to like the late 2000s when Taze and Kane were, were drafted in, in, in the top five as well for both of them. And then just building, continuing to build off that foundation, of course, different GM, different coach at the time uh, for, for the Chicago Blackhawks. But it's a thing for if you're a fan, it's like, OK, we've seen this work before with trying to get some top top picks in order to build a team. But as far as the play on the ice. There's only so much box score watching that I can do based on this Blackhawks team. Of course, they're on a three-game winning streak, and I see that they're top five in, in the league in power play percentage at 30%, and that's without Patrick Kane scoring a single goal this season, which Patrick Kane's going to be a hot hot ticket come the trade deadline this season. But as far as the guy who watches um, all the Blackhawks games, what are they doing uh, differently in order to get, the, get these three wins? Yeah, it's... It's been interesting because the Blackhawks certainly are not playing perfect hockey and they obviously don't have the most talent in the league, but there are some changes or or maybe just some differences, I would say, that have been noticeable under Luke Richardson. You mentioned the power play has been really good this far, and I didn't expect that after the Blackhawks scored uh, six goals total in six preseason games, and I believe they went one for 27 on the man advantage in the preseason. So didn't really have high hopes that the power play was going to be clicking, but here we are. It's looked pretty good, and as you mentioned, Patrick Kane hasn't scored a goal this year, and at five on five, that top line hasn't really done much. So uh, the power play has been a huge part in the Blackhawks winning these games. The penalty kill has been very good, too. Um, since that season opener against Colorado, I mean, they just lit us on fire, which, you know, it's Colorado. They're going to do that from time to time. They're pretty darn good. But since that season opener, the Blackhawks penalty kill has been excellent. And they have four shorthanded goals in their last three games. They had two shorthanded goals all of last season. So that's been a huge boost. And also they've just found a way to get the job done in the third period. It's, It's very odd. Like Sunday against Seattle, After 40 minutes, they're down a goal. Transition defense looked gross, but they scored two goals in 13 seconds in the third to steal it. And then against Detroit, they were down two as well. They've erased a multi-goal lead, a deficit, I guess I should say. They've erased multi-goal deficits in all three of their wins during this current streak. So there's been flaws, and like I mentioned, it's not perfect hockey. There's just something about this Blackhawks team that keeps them fighting until the end. And in the third period, when they've needed their best fight, that's what we've seen. So, yeah, it's been kind of weird. But uh, tip of the cap to the guys for competing throughout the entire 60 minutes. Tip of the cap to Luke Richardson for having them locked and loaded, uh, backs against the wall, giving everything they got. And even in, in that opener against Colorado, they were down a couple goals getting, you know, 
shellacked through the first two periods, if we're being honest. They come out still fighting hard. They get a goal in the first couple minutes of the third to make things a little bit interesting down the stretch. So that's kind of what's led the, to the Blackhawks winning these three games. They, they've kept themselves competitive. It hasn't been perfect hockey, but in the third period, They've been the better team. So it's going to be a lofty test tomorrow or tonight, no doubt about it, against the Florida Panthers. But uh, if the Blackhawks find themselves in it again in the third period, we'll see. It's going to be a fun one, Armando. I think it's probably about time we can slide on into some of our predictions here for the third and final segment of this crossover edition of Lockdown Blackhawks and Lockdown Panthers. Once again, just wanted to say thank you to everyone tuning in and a reminder that you can find either show 100% for free wherever you get your podcasts. Segment three, getting into some predictions, Armando. But before we give a final prediction, I wanted to ask you, what are three keys to victory in your mind for the Florida Panthers as they enter the United Center tonight? It, score first for first of all for 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 the for the Panthers and it's just of course if you score first you have a better chance of winning but also you know for get the power play going as well for for the for this Panthers team like I said two for twenty seven right now for for the for the for the team right now and of course there's been a lot of changes as as far as personnel of who's running the power play as well of course. Montour is out for a few games. He's the main quarterback on the power play. Ekblad has been on 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 the right left faceoff circle taking one timers. Now he's not part of. Now he's uh, not part of it. So it, it's good. It's a little bit of figuring out that the Panthers have to do as far as as that. So they're they're gonna have to they're gonna have to find a way to keep the power play going. And of course, the expected power play unit that that you're likely gonna see on on Tuesday night is Barkoff. Reinhardt, Bennett, Kachuk, uh, and uh, not Hornquist and Montour, excuse me. Uh, um, Hornquist has been shifted down to power play too now with Montour back in. So that's the expected uh, power play unit, and it's and it's really the really Montour hasn't been the the core didn't become the quarterback on the power play until later in in the preseason. That's when they were finally starting to test out whether 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 that was going to work. So that is going, that's going to be uh, something to work on, but also Barkoff has also taken opportunities to be at, at near the top of the blue line as well. But I like Barkoff being that shooter on the right-hand side, taking one timers from, from the right face-off circle as well. So that is a very important uh, key for, for the Panthers and really for, for the Panthers is just continuing to just be a great four checking team. Uh, and they've they've constantly creating been creating goals like right on the forecheck as well, pinning pinning teams into their own zones. As far as five on five metrics for this team, still one of the best possession teams in 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 the whole whole league. Corsi four five on five, it's always over fifty percent for the Panthers, and just continuing to just continue to um, get a forecheck going in on the in in the opponent zone, and the the third line has been incredible mostly i mean colin white has been a, a a very great acquisition for for the panthers he has uh two goals on the season for for the panthers now after being bought out from the ottawa senators and having dealing with injury issues as well so he's been an, an kind of an unsung uh hero as far as uh signing for the panthers so it, it's really about continuing to build off uh build off that from the first six games and what's got them gotten them to a four one and one start but how about the Blackhawks and their uh, three games, the three keys to victory? 
Yeah, my first key I would say for the Blackhawks is to get off to a good start. It was bad against Detroit in the home opener on Friday. Bad again against Seattle on Sunday. It fell behind two to nothing. Uh, if they could not fall behind by multiple goals early on, it would make life a whole lot easier. They don't have to have their backs against the wall in the third period. Now, that has led to success for this Blackhawks team, but it's still not a sustainable mentality. You don't want to fall behind two, three, nothing to a team like the Florida Panthers with the offensive potential that they have may not be as run and gun as they were last year, but they still have the talent to go and, and put up a crooked number on you, as we say in baseball talk. So get off to a good start, I think, is a really big key for the Blackhawks. Two, I think they have to be the better team on special teams. You referenced Florida has struggled on the power play. The Blackhawks penalty kill I touched on earlier has been really good. I think if they can prevent the Panthers man advantage from taking over, that's a recipe for the Blackhawks to staying competitive in this matchup against Florida. And it would be an added bonus if the power play can continue to convert. Uh, and then last, I think, is getting Patrick Kane and that top line going. He, Max Domi, and Andreas Athanasiu really haven't done much at five-on-five. Five. Athanasiu has one goal this year. It came on a penalty shot. Max Domi's been doing some damage on the power play together. That trio hasn't done as much as maybe the Blackhawks' three-and-two record would lead you to believe. A lot of people would probably think Patrick Kane's leading the NHL in points or something right now. No, that actually hasn't been the case. The Blackhawks have been getting some depth scoring, for particularly from their third line of Philip Kershev, Sam Lafferty, and Jason Dickinson, another great addition by Kyle Dave, uh, Kyle Davidson recently. They got Dickinson and a second-round pick from Vancouver in exchange for Riley Stillman, someone who you were familiar mm -hmm. with. Still kind of seems like a tweener at this point, and the Blackhawks looked like they got a solid bottom six guy in Dickinson and a second-round pick. Kyle Davidson continues to do good work. If, if the Blackhawks can get depth scoring once again tomorrow night and Patrick Kane can find his way on the stat sheet, I think that's a recipe to success for the Chicago Blackhawks. So those are my three keys to victory. Armando, what do you got as your prediction on the outcome of this matchup tonight? I, I think it's going to be a four to two win for the Florida Panthers with an empty net goal at the end for, for the cats, because it's been a lot of close games for the Panthers grinded out type of wins as well. And, and the Blackhawks have kept it kept games close as well. And, and yeah, they've come back from multiple uh, goal leads. This has an opportunity for the Panthers to be a little bit of a trap game as well. Uh, and it's funny when I was previewing the schedule, the 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 trap game that I spoke about was their home opener against the Philadelphia Flyers. A little bit uh, worried going into that one of, as, but every the Panthers just came out firing in that one. So I I, I guess I gotta find a new uh, trap game to to discuss for 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 the Panthers. And I guess it's. A, a team that from the outside people are seeing that they're clearly going into a new direction and an e easy chance for the Panthers to overlook. But of course, with the experience of Paul Maurice, he's, he, he's going to, I'm sure he's definitely going to talk to these guys. Like don't look down on these guys, play, play the game that you know, that you're, you're able to. And of course, uh, so I think, I think they're going to come out with a four to two win with an empty net goal. Uh, before I get to uh, your prediction, uh, with Peter Mrazek being on IR, are we expecting a start from Alex Stalock uh, on Tuesday night versus the Panthers? Yes, Alex Stalock is officially going to get the start tomorrow. The Blackhawks, Luke Richardson already spoke with the media today and basically gave a rundown of the lineup. So yes, 
Peter Morazic is currently on IR with a groin injury. We're expected to see Stalock get the start against Florida and also on Thursday against Edmonton. Arvid Soderblom, goaltender prospect that Blackhawks fans will be familiar with. He's expected to start one of the two games in the back-to-back over the weekend. So feels like the Blackhawks are going to lean pretty heavily on Alex Stalock as long as Peter Morazic is out. And Stalock randomly has been pretty pretty good and even in the preseason I thought he looked solid he's a little bit too aggressive in the net like the the dude's favorite thing to do is make fans nervous because he'll go out he'll play the puck from crazy angles skate back in a hurry it's like dude just stay put but Alex Daylock to it to his credit has done a pretty good job so far this year the Blackhawks goaltender position Peter Morazic Alex Daylock they deserve a good amount of credit for this three and two start. There really haven't been too many flaws with the Blackhawks in net, uh, but it's going to be a tough test for Alex Stalock tomorrow as he takes on a really good Florida Panthers offense. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go five three Panthers. I do think the Blackhawks have the ability to keep this game close, but it's almost like what we saw to open up the year against Colorado or against Vegas. I just don't think the Blackhawks are on the level as the Panthers, and they obviously have different aspirations this season. And, you know, it's not really about, I mean, I'd love for the Blackhawks to compete hard with the Florida Panthers, no doubt about it, but those aren't the games where if they do wind up on the losing outcome, you're not going to be hurt about. The Blackhawks aren't expected to beat the Panthers, but if they can hang in there, I think we can kind of take that as a a moral victory. I'm not a big fan of those, but in a situation like this, it does kind of make sense. So uh, I'm going five to three Panthers tomorrow night. Could work out in my favor, though. I predicted the Blackhawks to lose their home opener to Detroit. They mounted a nice comeback to pick up a win, and I always love when the Blackhawks beat the Red Wings. So that one worked out pretty good in my favor, Armando. I'm not as confident it's going to be the same this time, but uh, should be fun. I always enjoy when the Blackhawks play the Panthers, mostly due to our uh, back-and-forth encounters. So just wanted to say thank you again, brother, for coming on the show, getting together to do this podcast. And I'm really stoked for – our, our Bears game in a couple weeks. And yeah, I'm calling it a Bears game. I don't think they're going to win, but it's at Soldier Field, so it's technically a Bears game. But <laughs> I haven't been to Soldier Field in years, dude. Uh, I'm super stoked to be back, super stoked to meet you in person. Uh, and as always, it's a lot of fun when we do these shows together, bro. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you. Absolutely, man. And I'm and I'm very excited for for definitely uh, this game, our, our meeting and of course, our, our next crossover uh, when the Blackhawks and uh, the Panthers uh, do do meet again later this season. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but but of course, when they do when they do play, uh, of course, that's an opportunity to get together. But before we wrap up, uh, tell tell everybody on my feed where they can follow you online. Absolutely. Yeah. You can check out Locked On Blackhawks for free wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to check it out on social media, you can do so on Twitter and on Instagram at capital L capital O underscore Blackhawks. As for me, myself, you can check out my personal page at Jack Bushman too for basically all Chicago sports stuff. You'll get some golf in there as well. Big golf nut myself. Um, but yeah, if you want to check out my personal page, you can find me at Jack Bushman too. Armando for my listeners out there. If they want to tail along on some of the Florida Panthers stuff for this matchup tonight, where can they find you and your show at? They can follow me personally on Twitter at monoman 12, follow the show account on Twitter at L O underscore F L a Panthers. You'll see me live tweeting throughout the games of the Florida Panthers. You'll see me 
give all my takes on all things South Florida as uh, the Florida Panthers are in the near the top of the Atlanta division to with uh, surprising Buffalo Sabres right now at, at, the, at the top, along with the Boston Bruins. And of course, uh, football takes with the Dolphins as they're in a playoff spot. The Heat at, at one and two right now and the Marlins looking for a new manager right now. So you'll see all those type of takes from this South Florida sports fan right here. Well, Armando, thank you again so much. And just a quick warning to all the Chicago people, be on the lookout for me and Armando in a couple of weeks when we're in the city of Chicago together. Could be a deadly duo. Keep your keep your peepers peeled. But Armando, best of luck tonight, buddy. Thanks for hopping on the show once again. Absolutely, my friend, and see you soon. See you soon, buddy. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast to be notified every single time the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Make sure to subscribe to Locked On NHL and Locked On Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Steel Roden. We'll be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure to listen to Locked On Sports Today. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reaction, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Sorry, Marmando Velez. With Jack Bushman. And you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Where's your team? Every day.